Hi. How'd it go? <gasps> they did what? You did? I can't take any credit for that. I'm just so proud of you. You know, this is what life looks like when you're tapped into your authenticity and equally aligned with your intuition. Remember, mom always taught us to trust our guts. You're listening to Hey Big Sister with me, Meg. There's a different way to run your life and your business. One that allows you to truly connect with people on a human level. No more icky sales, no more comparisonitis, just you taking mindful, intentional, messy action to create success that you can be proud of. Let this episode be your guide. For the next few minutes, open your mind to new possibilities. And don't forget to pour me a little grease. I'm just like you, except I picked up the mic and started talking about all the things that go on in both of our heads. If this episode hits home for you, it would mean the world to me to have you leave the podcast a five-star rating and written review. Also, could you do me a favor and text the link to this episode onto three of your best friends? You know, I'm a real human behind this mic, and I actually want to connect with you. Click the show notes below to connect with me on social media. I would love if you sent me a DM with your takeaway from this episode. You are family now. Here we go. Our excesses are the best clue we have to our own poverty and our best way of concealing it from ourselves. Adam Phillips, British Psychoanalysis. Four years ago this month, it's July right now as I'm recording this, I called my brother and I told him that I think it's time for me to quit drinking. So my brother is younger than me by 11 and a half months. We actually are the same age for 10 days in May. And he was um, partly the inspiration for what I was feeling those four years ago. He had quit drinking a few years before me, completely cold turkey, which was no easy feat for him. He had worked in the hospitality industry for years and currently now owns multiple bars and restaurants. And um, I was headed on vacation with my family to Cape Cod. And I was, I remember driving on the highway and saying like, I just need to, I need to tell somebody that I think I need to give up alcohol completely. And I wanted to tell somebody that wasn't going to say to me, um, well, you don't have a problem. So I knew that he would understand. So he told me, you know, it's going to be really hard to do. Why don't you wait until after vacation? And I said, I'm up for this challenge. Like I need to prove to myself that I can do this. And I have to listen to my intuition and my gut. And I knew that this is the time to do it. So on that vacation, I brought um, a book with me called Drink, The Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol. And that is where the quote I just read is from. So a year before this decision, my son Declan had fallen out of a second story window and broke both of his feet. Many of you who have been in my community, my circle, um, know that story. And it's, it's a very traumatic one. But um, I also had two other little ones, my middle child, Brian and KK. And Brian was three years old and KK was about six months old. Um, life was fucking hectic. It was 
very hectic time. And it was also a really traumatic time, not only for the fall, but the lack of sleep that we had, the, um, there's a part of parenting that I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily like talk about. And it's like the, the trauma that parenting can, we can hold the duality of like many different emotions, right? And while it can be so joyful, it can be really, really scary. And it can be painful at times too. And we had had um, an accident with our other son uh, about a year earlier where he had choked. Um, So we were still living in fight or flight just from entering parenthood. And then never mind all of the kind of accidents and mishaps that came along with it. So at this time in life, when he had fallen out of the window, I was really, really overwhelmed. And I was, you know, part of our culture was just telling moms all the time that all they needed was a glass of wine at night or um, to kind of drown the anxiety. And, And that's where I was at. I was using wine almost nightly after that accident to calm my nerves. Because by the end of the day, all of the noise, all of the chaos had my nervous system so ignited, right? It was just on constantly. So I eventually got to a point where a few nights a week, I was finishing a whole bottle of wine. And I was able to look at that and say, this is not the way that I want to be dealing with my life. This is not the way that I wanted to cope. I felt super anxious the next day after I, you know, even after having a drink or so, but especially after I was finishing a bottle. So I had been kind of looking up the sober curious movement. I had searched that hashtag a lot. I had, um, anytime I kind of ran into an account on social media, I would really dive in and, and read about it. It was at that time, four years ago, it was kind of just getting started publicly on social media where it was starting to like pick up steam. So a lot of the times when I would talk about drinking or say that I was interested in in giving up drinking or um, just not participating in it, a lot of people would say to me, well, you don't have a problem. Just, Just slow down. Just don't drink on the weekdays. Just drink on the weekend. And I knew that that kind of moderation just wasn't an option for me at the time. It would, I would be able to, you know, do that, but then feeling drunk and hungover on the weekend really wasn't adding anything to my life. I was able to look at it and say, like, this isn't serving me. This is actually making me feel a lot worse. So why am I going to just say, here, I'll just do this on the weekend? Like, it didn't it didn't fit in to the way that I wanted to feel in life. But because we are so indoctrinated in this country to believe that being drunk on Friday and Saturday night is just the norm and how everybody copes with life. It's really hard to like do something counterintuitive to that. So I knew at this time that I needed a lot of space between myself and alcohol. And that year when we go on vacation, we go on vacation with my in-laws who don't really drink. Um, So it was really good for me because I knew that I wasn't going to be surrounded by people that were um, drinking heavily and Matt, my husband, never drank heavily either. So I knew that it was something that um, I felt like this is a challenge that I need to prove to myself that I I can do this. So 
that's where my journey began. So like I said, I brought the book, Drink the Intimate Relationship Between Women and Alcohol by Anne Dowsett Johnson on vacation with me. And I was just blown away as I was reading it. It showed alcohol in a whole new light. Um, one of the statistics that really stuck with me is more than 23,000 women die from heavy drinking in the United States each year. 23,000. So that, you know, that's a big, big number that we aren't really talking about. Um, there's another book that later on in my journey I read called Quit Like a Woman, The Radical Choice to Not Drink in a Culture Obsessed with Alcohol by Holly Whitaker. I'm going to make sure these two books are um, linked in the show notes for you. But they were both really, really helpful. And especially Holly Whitaker has a really good social media presence and community around sober curious lifestyle or sober lifestyle. So I grew up around alcohol and alcoholism. It was part of, you know, the majority, like our daily lives. And when something is so normalized in your life, you don't often realize when it becomes a problem. So to me, from a young age, the thought of an alcoholic was maybe a homeless man outside of 7-Eleven with a bottle in a paper bag. I didn't realize that there was something called functional alcoholism. And I didn't realize that so many people are impacted by it. I lived in a, I grew up at a time where my mom did not ever drink. Um, as we were growing up. And um, it was my dad that drank and my grandparents drank. And so it was something that was around us involved in all activities and parties. And we went to many bars and had family experiences at them for most of my life. So I, I saw that it was just it just felt normal so i didn't realize the extent and the problem that it caused in in many people's lives because it's such a personal topic that not a lot of people talk about until you open up and then everyone comes out of the woodwork so i don't share about my relationship with alcohol extensively on social media but the times that i have so many people have come out and said that they want to shift their relationship. Many people will message me and say things like they haven't drank in a, in a year and reading about my story kind of um, tipped them over into that point. And I, I really get really, um, I just feel real, like, I feel proud of them and um, really connected to those people because I know how hard it can be. So after becoming a parent, I started to see the ways that alcohol impacted many of my relationships, not just my relationship with alcohol, but how alcohol impacted the relationships around me. And as many, you know, parents know, like after you have a kid, you start looking at the things that happened throughout your childhood and your adolescence, and you see them in a new light sometimes. And you see, um, how maybe some needs were not met or how some behaviors were probably not that healthy or normal, but they felt like they were because that's what it was like around you. So I was able to look at 
the things that I didn't want to happen around my kids. And then I was also able to look at the, the drinking patterns that I had throughout. I didn't, I actually did not start drinking until college. I did not. Um, I was very much a rule follower and I did not drink, um, really in high school, maybe I think my senior prom, I drank and that was about it. Um, I didn't drink much. So I was able to look at college and see that a lot of the times that I was using alcohol to escape like social anxiety, I used it to feel like I could fit in. And I also used it to get in touch with a side of me that I would have never felt comfortable with when I was not drinking. So it often left me making unsafe choices, left me feeling anxious and depressed. But at that point in my life, I didn't connect the two necessarily until I was probably about senior year. Um, I made impulsive decisions. I made bad choices. But the thing was, is that there was other people that I was surrounded with or that I saw at college that were making way worse decisions or choices. So I thought, hey, it's not that bad, right? Like we kind of compare, especially with drinking, we do this thing where it's like, okay, I drink every night of the week, I drink three or four glasses of wine. But it's not that bad because Sally down the street drinks six glasses. So I I must be okay. It's a very interesting thing. Because if we were doing that with drug like cocaine, people would look at us differently, right? So it's like alcohol is a carcinogen. It is a poison, essentially, like our body processes it as a toxin. It is, um, it's like, essentially the same thing as jet fuel, right? So, but we have just as a society accepted that this is just a normal thing that we do. But yet, if a mom down the street was posting on Facebook, how she just did a few lines of Coke while the kids were at football practice um, to get the energy that she needed. Like we'd look at that very differently. Um, And that started to all come together for me. And I started looking at that and kind of coming out of the matrix of like what we are told is normal and acceptable around alcohol in the society for myself. So the year of Declan's accident was really just the tipping point for me. I knew that I had a lot of trauma that I wanted to heal. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do that unless I really put in some hard work and dedication. And I was at this point where I was constantly anxious and I wanted that to stop so badly. I had lived my entire life as a very, very anxious person and it was taking such a toll on me. So I started, um, I actually started taking an anti-anxiety and that helped me kind of just calm the noise and be able to make decisions that were really beneficial to me. So I only stayed on that for about nine months, but in that time I was able to find a holistic psychiatrist that I worked with who taught me meditation. I started doing, um, different classes. I started, I joined yoga teacher training, I started on a path. I didn't necessarily know to where, but I felt really happy that I started. And I felt I just continued to feel more and more myself. I continued to question um, the conditioning of, you know, patriarchy, the the conditioning of 
um, even religion, I started to question all of those things and really find the answers of like what I felt, not what I was always being told or the decision, like make decisions around what I wanted versus like what society tells us is the right thing. So I, I knew that I wanted to find me. Like that feels so cliche to say, but it's, that's what I was hoping for. I wanted to find like, who was the real Megan? I just really did not know who I was. I lived my life from a place of people pleasing, like conditioning, like I said, Um, the oldest child of five, like that was my perspective. I was here to care for people. I was here to say yes and make sure that everyone around me was happy and when I entered parenthood and then when my oldest was diagnosed with autism, it really hit me that like I had to start living life for our family and what was right for us. And that was going to look really different than like the way that people told me, like society told me that I was supposed to parent. We definitely chose the route of like gentle parenting. We bed shared, we breastfed for a really long time. These things that were a little bit outside the norm um, for our area, I don't know, 11 years ago. So I, that helped me start gaining the confidence of like, oh, if I listen to my gut, if I listen to my intuition, I'm going to, even though people may not agree with me, I'm going to feel good about me. So, um, that, that it gave me the time to heal that, that from that place of always wanting to do what was expected and right, because that came at a cost. And that cost was a true relationship with myself. I did not have that. So I knew that giving up alcohol would be another big step in getting to know the real me. It would force me into social action, social um, interactions without the liquid courage that I was used to. It would push my edge around sitting with discomfort after like a fight or an awkward conversation or a bad day parenting. I wanted to feel more. I wanted to feel the depths of my sadness or pain or frustration because I knew that that would help me transmute it. If I continued to bury it and then put more and more on top of it, it was going to stay there and it was going to impact my physical body and it was going to impact how I showed up in the world. And I was, I was over that. I wanted to stop numbing, but also I was terrified. I was really scared to make this choice to look different than other people. Uh, I didn't know what it meant for me. I didn't know what box I fit into after that. So it was it was challenging because I didn't see myself as an alcoholic. I was not addicted to alcohol. I just knew I wanted to eliminate it from my life. And there wasn't really a space for people that didn't drink without a reason. Right. So like in in our social structure, if you're not drinking, people either assume you had an addiction or they ask you if you're pregnant or they ask you if you're sick. Like people feel the the right to an answer around that. I didn't really care about that per se, but it still felt like I felt like I needed a reason. But here's the thing, like I knew I didn't need to be an alcoholic to question my choices around alcohol. But here's a clue for you. (laughs) If you find yourself Googling, how do you know if you're an alcoholic or how many drinks a week counts as an alcohol problem? 
then it's probably time to like look at your behavior, right? And that's what I found myself doing. I was trying to convince myself of one way or the other. And then I got to a point where I was like, you don't have to do that. You can just make this choice because it's a healthier choice for you. So I knew that that choice was going to be challenging. I didn't know many other people that had given up drinking just because. My choice shifted my social life a lot. And whether it was perceived that way or if it was true, I felt that I was getting invited out less and less. Some people really seemed to distance themselves from me. And that hurt. It felt like, where do I belong now? Um, I knew I, I craved something to fill that void. So that's where I started seeking more things like moon circles and yoga events. And that was the medicine that I needed at the time. It helped me find other people that questioned their relationship with alcohol as well. It helped me find people that were on a healing journey and were ready to let go of kind of some of the social norms. They were, you know, they were obviously like meeting up to celebrate the moon and to journal about their feelings. And that was very, very different than the typical like, you know, conversations that you have at school pickup with other parents. So in all honesty, it was really the best decision that I've ever made for my health the first two years, so this is full transparency of where I'm at now after four years. So in the first two years, I did not touch any alcohol at all, um, nothing. And after two years, I had a glass of wine here or there, or I'd have a sip of beer. And I'm talking like maybe two or three over the course of a year or so. And each of those instances, I felt sick after like completely sick. So then it just started to become a choice of like, this is not just it's not even worth it. Um, but in the beginning, I was really, really caught up in a label. I was like, I'm just at first, I was a person that didn't drink. And I didn't feel like I could call myself sober, because I wasn't I didn't I felt like you had to be addicted to then call yourself sober. Whether that is true or not, that's just how I felt. So I, I kind of that that held me that I don't want to say held me back. It didn't hold me back. It um, impacted my my relationship with um, alcohol, because I felt like it had to be all or nothing, you had to be a sober person or a not sober person. Um, but I also wanted to give myself the space to say, you don't need to fit into a box or anything. So um, now I just say that I don't drink. Like if I go somewhere, I, I, no one actually asks me, I must say at this point in my life, no one really asks me if I go somewhere and I, everyone around me is drinking. I have a soda. Usually, um, I rarely ever feel tempted. I, I had one really hard day a few months ago, um, specifically with one of our children and, I said to Matt, like, this is the first time in four years that I feel like I want to drive to a liquor store um, and get wine. And I, I didn't. I have a really robust um, toolbox now. I know what I need. In that beginning, um, 
of giving up alcohol, like it is such a habit, right? It's a, it's a, it's also an experience. So we go out to dinner and we, we feel like it adds to the whole experience and to have a glass of wine or whatever it is. And so, or I was where I was having a glass of wine after making dinner during those very beginning days, I had to fill that with something because our brain is so primed to just go right into that habit. And um, Epsom salt baths were like my my thing. Tea, hot tea, and um, Epsom salt baths. So I would finish up dinner and then I would say, all right, I got to go. I got to go sit in the bath because it kind of helped create a new habit for my brain to go to. So that's where I am now. I don't have a label. I don't, I just don't drink. And if I ever go on a beautiful vacation to Italy or France and have, you know, a bowl of pasta, will I have a glass of red wine with it? Perhaps. And maybe not too. I might be completely okay not having that be part of the experience at all. Um, but I no longer feel like I need a strict box or description. I don't feel like I owe anybody any explanations or, um, it's just my choice to live a life that does not include alcohol 99% of the time. And, um, it's something that I'm really happy about. I'm happy that my children do not know, they don't know a life where alcohol is the norm. They don't know a life where adults around them are drunk ever, 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 ever. And that is something that I am really, really proud of. And that is not said with any kind of judgment because it's, I don't look at other families' decisions um, as something to judge. And I think that I... I saw certain things in my life that I just don't want them to necessarily see. And that's, that's where my decision comes from. So it's not a decision of like no one else, you know, everyone else should live the way that we do. Um, but now two years into this journey too, Matt does not drink. My husband does not drink either. So it is, it, that is also kind of nice too. It's that we're, we, we are both on a similar path. So um, to bring this back kind of to how it's impacted my work, it is just been the catalyst of all of my work, even though I don't talk about it in my work. And it's really interesting too, because the energetics of business are something that I'm so passionate about. And part of what I teach my clients is that you could have all the, the best copy in the world. You could have the best website in the world, all the things. But people feel your energy. You don't have to say anything. So very not. I rarely speak about this on social media. I rarely speak about alcoholism. And a majority of my clients have been impacted by alcoholism or have decided to give up alcohol in their life. So not everybody, but a good amount of them. And it's really interesting because like we can feel each other's energy. It doesn't have to be all, it doesn't have to be said. So, um, I knew that if I wanted to show up for other adults in a way that felt really authentic and, um, really connected and, and true, I knew that I had to like work on myself before, before doing that. And that's what this, this kind of journey has led me on. 
I just feel healthier overall. So I can, you know, work on a Saturday morning or I can feel really clear headed when I'm going into a client call. It's also kind of like forced and forced in the best way possible me to see things that still needed healing for me to show up um, really committed to bringing healing to different parts of myself that I don't think I would have necessarily seen or had the tools to to look at um, before the last four years. So it's not that we always have to be healing or we don't ever arrive at a destination, right? And sometimes you can just be and be present. And that's something I'm able to do a lot more now without alcohol in my life. I can just be present in the uncomfortable. I can be present in the awkward. It can feel really challenging to like have to go to an event that you're, you know, seeing people that you haven't talked to in a long time without drinking. And I've been to many, I've been to weddings now without it. I've been to many different events and I kind of, it's kind of cool because I surprise myself. Like it, it feels less comfortable, I must say. But it is, I don't leave feeling like embarrassed about saying stupid things, which I used to feel. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of benefit to it as well. Oh, so that is kind of the, the journey and the story. And I hope that even if you are somebody that still drinks, um, that you are able to take something from it. And I hope that it this just comes across like so honestly, just from my heart with no judgment about drinking at all. It's just that for me, it's not something that served me and it's something that I eliminated from my life and I'm, I'm happy about it. And I like to share that so that other people feel less alone because when I started, I felt very, very alone. Um, there's so many more resources now, even than there were four years ago. I love to support anybody that is, you know, even just thinking of shifting or changing their relationship with alcohol, or if you have been impacted by alcoholism in your life too, like, please know that I am here holding space for you. And, um, just, I can, I can, I can empathize and I can say that life can be really, really bright and full and beautiful without it, even though it is, it can be scary. So if anything, you know, resonated with you today, please uh, reach out. I would love to hear about it. And again, I will link those two books that I mentioned earlier in the um, show notes. So have a wonderful day. And I will see you here again next week. Before you go, do me a favor and leave a five-star rating and written review. The more we connect, the more the world is connected. As I love to say to all of my groups and my clients, rising tides lift all boats. See you next week.